Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of an empathy vacuum to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. The logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the two-quakwe fallacy, also known as appeal to hypocrisy and you too. Yeah, so you too is the English translation of two-quakwe, which is the Latin phrase. And it basically is a way of distracting from an argument when you're being accused of something. Rather than address the accusation, you simply put it back on the person who right. accused you. Ideally, right. I mean, you can accuse someone else of it as a way of distracting. But ideally, I mean, literally the two quote means you too. So you're referring back to the person who, who's accusing you of something. It's like a kind of playground <laughs> yeah. response. Yeah, that's really. what struck me about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a kind of, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's right. as yeah. far as the logic goes. And so obviously <laughs> Trump is quite keen on yeah. it. Yeah, very adept at it. Yeah, at a press conference in October 2016, Trump was asked why he still hadn't spoken in public about four Green Berets who were killed in an ambush in Niger 12 days before. Trump explained that he had written letters to the families but not sent them yet <laughs> and that he planned to call later in the week. And he then pointed out how awesome he is compared to other presidents. If you look at... Uh, President Obama and other presidents, most of them uh, didn't make calls. A lot of them didn't make calls. I like to call when it's appropriate, when I think I'm able to do it. So Trump likes to call when he's able to. When he's able to. Not like he's not busy or anything. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, So Obama actually did write letters. He made calls to uh, families of... um, killed Americans abroad. He he met, met with families at Dover Air Force Base when fallen soldiers' bodies were flown home, which Trump did once and then decided he wasn't going to ever do again. Obama also frequently visited with wounded troops at yeah. Walter Reed National Military Medical Centre. So later in the press conference, the journalists pointed this mm-hmm. out and Trump kind of clumsily backtracked. I don't know if he did. No, no, no. Uh, I, I, was, I was told that he didn't often, and a lot of presidents don't. They write letters. I do... Excuse me, Peter... I do a combination of both. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a very difficult thing to do, but I do a combination of both. Uh, President Obama, uh, I think, probably did sometimes, and maybe sometimes he didn't. I don't know. That's what I was told. All I can do, all I can do is ask my generals. Uh, other, other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Now, Trump is right, to be fair, mm-hmm. that some presidents didn't call. Yeah. And that is because they were presidents before the, before the phone, phone was invented. invented. Yeah. 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 So that made it difficult for them. But yeah. they often did write. It's it's kind of a tradition of the American yeah. president that fallen soldiers in combat, the families tended to get a letter yeah. from the president thanking them for their service and their sacrifice. Yeah. But really, more to the point, even if Trump was absolutely right that other presidents didn't, write letters, didn't call. That's not the point. The point is... He didn't. 12 days had passed between this incident and him even mentioning it in public, let alone writing to the families. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what's being asked. Why has it been so long? Why haven't you mentioned it? Why haven't you um, 
spoken to the families and he's just completely moved the um, not moved the goalposts but moved the conversation on to another track he's moved it on to you know I'm awesome I, I do it other presidents didn't do it. yeah yeah but it, it, it despite so the he, fact that he's not actually doing it yeah so, yeah. so he's, he's just said well they're just as bloody worse because they haven't yeah. done it and actually you know there are many more of them than me because the president's plural, and I'm only president singular, so that compounds the problem. Yeah, and somehow he kind of claims that that because he does a combination of calling and yeah. writing, depending on like what feels good to him at the time. Yeah, um, the fact that they some of them didn't call or write. Yeah, um, yeah, that makes it worse. Yeah, somehow. yeah, yeah. Or some of them only wrote letters. Oh, I thought when he Cause, when he uh, yeah when he when he said I I do a combination of both, I thought that meant he did a combination of letters and numbers. So sometimes I write letters. Yeah, he works sometimes I write numbers. That's right. Yeah, it's like something out of Sesame Street. You know, today's letter is yeah. the letter D. Now, um, there's a, a kind of advanced two quick way which Trump likes to do sometimes, which is actually defend someone else by accusing mm. someone of of doing something wrong. And Trump likes to use this in defence of his um, most loved people who tend to be dictators. Yeah. And our old friend Bill O'Reilly was questioning Trump in an interview about uh, why he respects Putin. Putin's a killer. A lot of killers. You get a lot of killers. Why, you think our country's so innocent? You think our country's so innocent? I don't know of any government leaders that are killers in America. Well, take a look at what we've done, too. So, interestingly, <laughs> Trump decided to, <laughs> to defend Putin yeah. by throwing his own country under the bus. And so, yeah. so, well, we're just as bad as yeah. them, which is like another level of two. It is, isn't it? Because you kind of think, well, the guy who's elected to be the representative of the entire country, you would think he, you know, in a kind of just in a diplomatic way as acting as an ambassador, uh, you know, informally and formally, you'd want him to sort of defend the country and stand up for it rather than just say... Well, what, you think we're so clean? What? what? That's the kind of so thing weird. A, a critic of the country would say. That's something that someone who was disparaging about the country, you know, maybe an enemy of the country might say that. You say, well, you know, look at America. Look at what you're doing. That, yeah. And in fact, this is where the kind of the, the earliest uses or the earliest kind of uh, well-known uses of this came from mm -hmm. was from Soviet Russia uh, when they were accused of human rights abuses. Right. Saying, well, America lynches their Negroes. Right. So it's ah, way back then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and now Trump is also saying, well, you know, we kill people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as leaders were, and he, and he just kind of goes that. So, well, I don't know of any actual <laughs> leaders of countries. Good old Bill says that, and Trump goes, well, like, well, yeah, lead, like American leaders, yeah, what? And you kind of think <laughs> that that's the kind of thing that the White House hushes up or fa fails to <laughs> admit to, or has it drawn out of them by David Frost some five or six years after their presidency ends? You know. <laughs> about the uh, yeah. debacle in, you know, the Far East. So, yeah, uh, that's a very odd statement, isn't it? Uh, speaking of Putin, mm -hmm. 
going back to the kind of the playground insult version of this is just my favourite example, which is from one of the debates with Hillary. From everything I see has no respect for this person. Well, that's because he'd rather have a puppet as president of no the puppet, United States. No puppet. And it's pretty clear. You're the puppet. It's pretty clear. <laughs> it literally is just like I'm rubber, you're glue. Yeah, yeah. It? It's ah, no, yeah, no. You're the puppet. You're the puppet. Well, that's why he'll <laughs> never he'll never appear on Sesame Street, after all, because yeah. he'll just you know Oscar Oscar the Grouch will be going, hey, you're a Grouch. He'd go, yeah, you're a puppet. <laughs> yeah, no, no puppet. Yeah, they they would definitely do that if he had a sense of humour. That would be awesome. Yeah. I was listening to uh, a, another podcast, uh, This American Life. There were these two psychologists that did this test on people's perception of their own performance, and it's named after them, this particular syndrome. This particular is it phenomenon. the Dunning-Kruger effect? It is. Yes, it was. Yeah. And it was uh, Kruger who was talking about it on the podcast, and he said that those people who think they are doing very well have a... Uh, are generally completely ignorant of the fact that they're not. Basically, yeah. the skills that you need to know whether you're good at yeah. something are the exact same skills you need to be good at. The th- yeah. So if you have none of those yeah. skills, you can't tell that you're bad at it. Yeah. That's but, yeah. the basic And, and also, and you effect. tend yeah. to big up your own abilities. And the more you big it up, the more likely it is that you're crap. So and and consequently, you know, you can go on Twitter and you can look up that um, syndrome and Trump and that are now, you know, it's kind of a byword for people ignorant, yeah, ignorant of their own ignorance. But, you know, when people come up and say you smell and you go, no, you smell. And you go, well, that's yeah, that's basically know, it. That's that's it. That's but yeah. And, and what it does is it just occupies the space where a you know, a contrary position would be constructed, but it's but it's not. It's just it's just contradiction. It's not even that, is it? Yeah, absolutely. If he had anything to say in response yeah. to Hillary's accusation yeah. that Putin wanted a puppet and that's why yeah. um they're they're in favour of Trump, he would be able to respond afterwards with logic and saying that, you know, this is these are the reasons why I can show that Putin isn't in favour of my me getting into presidency, and I and this is the, these are the things that I would do, which would be unfavourable to Russia, and so on. Yeah. But instead, he just says, "No, no, you're the puppet," <laughs> with no basis no, whatsoever. That's the thing, isn't it? It's yeah, it's got no <laughs> no apparent uh, reasoning going on. There's no. It, it's yeah. just it's just attack is the best form of defence. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I hate him. <laughs> and now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics. Corner. So uh, my example this week is bang up to date. This is uh, in uh, British politics, the the forum, I was going to say cauldron there, which is probably about right, the forum within which the two Kwokwe examples come up the most is uh, in Prime Minister's Questions. And these clips uh, that I'm going to play are from this week, from October 31st. And, uh, yeah, so let's just play the the first clip. This is about, um, this is the first Prime Minister's Questions after the latest budget round. Why did the government fail to find a single penny for neighbourhood policing in the budget? We did put extra money into CT policing in the budget. That was 
on top of the £460 million pounds, uh, that has been made extra that has been made available for policing in this year. That is in sharp contrast to what Labour was saying at the 2015 election when they said the police should take 10% cuts in their budget. Jeremy so there's the, uh, there's the two Kwokwe going on. So he asks quite genuinely, I mean, what, you, what, what we're witnessing is two opposing sides reading the same bunch of figures and making the conclusions that fit their own reading of it and their own political, um, uh, from, from their own political point of view. So Jeremy Corbyn has read it and is saying, well, there isn't a penny in there for neighbourhood policing. Uh, and Theresa May responds by bandying some figures around, which sound f- as feasible and uh, substantial as Jeremy Corbyn's um, statement. And then she adds to, you know, it is in some way to discredit what he said and to le- lend credence to what she says. She says to him, right, well, in the 2015 election, Labour made this statement that police should take a 10% cut. Now, I don't think that in the 2015 election, Corbyn was leader of the Labour Party, and it still doesn't answer the question. Um, so she's just... Is, yeah, she, it's irrelevant yeah. to what he's actually asking. It's, it's a, it's a, um, she kind of almost answered mm. it by... But she did, didn't address the fact that there isn't any extra money or any money yeah. for for neighbourhood policing. Yeah. But but talked about money they've put into policing, so it's vaguely relevant. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's got <laughs> the it, same like, word in there. Convincingly relevant, yeah. just if you don't pay yeah. too much attention. And and um, to add to the convincingness, um, she then says, "Well, you see, this is how sensible we are." Um, because it's in contrast to what Labour would do. Labour are complaining when they did, did, did this. They are as bad as they're accusing us to be, is what she's basically yeah. saying. And now this is actually a, a, an interesting aspect of the two Kwokwe, is that um, when you are accusing the person who's asked you a question or challenged you or, or accused you of something, then what you're really doing basically is calling them a hypocrite. Mm. If you're saying that... if you know, if someone says, for example, oh, you, you eat too much fast food and you say to them, but you were eating a burger just, just this lunchtime. Yeah. Um, that you're saying, you know, you're a hypocrite because you're saying I shouldn't do something that you do or something around that. And it's not always bad reasoning or, or a bad argument to point out that someone is behaving in a hypocritical way. Mm. Mm. That's, that's reasonable. Yeah. If, if, for example, the Republicans said that the Democrats wanted to uh, get rid of pre-existing condition cover mm-hmm. in healthcare. Mm-hmm. It's okay to point out that actually, first of all, that's not true, and secondly, that's what the Republicans wanted. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. their yeah. position. But the the point is, you do need to address the issue. You do need to point out that it's not true. You do need to say, actually, here's the evidence yeah. on my side of that. Yeah. And then point out the hypocrisy. Yeah, that's not a too quick way if you do that. So long as you actually address the point and don't use the accusation of hypocrisy as a distraction tactic. Yeah, yeah. then then it's a, a valid thing to do because people should try not to be hypocritical in their statements. Mm. Like with many informal fallacies, it's it's only a fallacy in certain contexts. It's a fallacy if you don't address 
the point that the person is making or the accusation that they've made against you. If you use it to distract, if you use it to to take the argument in a, another direction, then then it's fallacious. But if you're if you address the issue and then point out actually also the thing you just accuse me of is something you do all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a fair point. Yeah, so I think, yeah, so let's play the second clip because I think she does it again. So when, uh, at the end of the last one, we heard the speaker saying Jeremy Corbyn, because um, they, uh, at the beginning of Prime Minister's question time, the leader of the opposition asks questions of the Prime Minister uh, in order to seek answers, but it tends to be a bit of parrying and a bit of a bit of sword play going on, and then it gets handed over to other members of the House so the speaker calls their names out because they've registered their questions. So uh, immediately after the clip we've just heard, he then asks this question. Mr Speaker, with school funding cut by 8% per pupil, does the Prime Minister and her Chancellor think the little extras are enough to end austerity in our schools? And actually he's wrong, because overall per-pupil funding is being protected in real terms by this this government. What do we see in the budget? We're ending austerity, we're bringing debt down, we're putting more money into our public services. We're taking the country forward. What would he do? His policy would mean borrowing more, taxing more and wasting more and taking us back to square one. So actually her response, uh, to my mind, begs the question... Where is the Chancellor getting the money for funding this in real terms if he's cutting taxes? Because and there's all there's the, that weasel term in there that when she says school funding is, is being terms. protected in real terms, which is which yeah. is like it reminds me of, oh yeah, this particular minister has the full support of <laughs> the day before he gets fired. It's that in real terms and you think, oh, okay, what kind of fiscal you know manipulation are they using something to do with compound tax or whatever somewhere along the line in real terms compared with what i do think that she pretty much addressed that question right. in as as much as a politician really ever does yeah. i think i think yeah she she spun it yeah. definitely but but in terms of um i mean well a listener who doesn't know the details is left wondering which of them is um, is telling the truth, yeah. basically, because yeah. either the school pupils are being funded the same or, or the, they're being not, cut by 8%. Yeah, it's been cut, yeah, yeah. So, in a way, either she just lied yeah. or she spun a, a, a maths problem yeah. into something that sounds good. Well, I think he... But yeah, she, did, just a, she, he did, was... she did address the question. Yeah. Yeah, way. yeah. If she had simply said... Well, your proposal would also get rid of some funding right. for school pupils. Yep. That's a kind of more specific right. to Quokwe or something. Yep. And I think actually to a certain extent, um, yeah, as I said for the first clip, he's spinning it to suit his ends. Um, yeah, he's, sure. He's spinning it because he's making the point that, um, you know, what he wants to say is to do away, to really do away with austerity, to really support the public services in real terms, we need a Labour government. What's quite interesting is that when you said, I think she answered the question, because, or certainly in Prime Minister's question time, when you do that knife-twisting thing, 
when you say, you know, if, it, if we left it up to you, it would all be awful. What that does is it elicits such anger in the room that you kind of think, well, has she actually answered the question or is she just stirring up the, uh, the you know, ramping up the, the sense of opposition against what the questioner has asked so that it sounds like... Yeah, it's, it's like giving a kind of smoke yeah, answer. It, yeah, it sounds, and, it and sounds like she's negated the question. It sounds like she's opposed it successfully, but what she's done is just stir up the crowd with those rhetorical devices, which is, you know, if we left it up to you, it would be like that. And, you know, the House of Commons is notorious for, for the the farmyard atmosphere in Prime Minister's questions, which is very adversarial. And it just, you're right, it just lobs in this sound bomb that makes the uh, her party roar with delight um, against it with no formed logical reasoning at all. It's just raw. Uh, so my, my question is, how does one... Uh, counter that if if because that's what trump trump's one does no you're the puppet no you're the puppet <laughs> it's it just makes you angry and how do you actually counter that how do you counter a two quackway well i think uh in the way that the first person should have answered it by addressing the the accusation mm -hmm. it's annoying and uh, something that we'll come to in a future episode, I think, is called the Gish Gallop, which is uh, where lots of fallacious arguments or lots of at least false arguments or, or um, arguments without any evidence to back mm. them up are presented all in one yeah. go, meaning that actually to respond to each of them in turn would take so much longer mm. than just hearing them in the first yeah. place that you you inevitably can't respond to all of them and and so yeah in in the same way this uh, where you make an accusation of someone without addressing the mm. accusation that's been leveled against mm. you then the first person who's trying to counter it has to have a choice you have to make a choice whether to address the ac the new accusation against you or to point out that they Answer didn't the address yeah. the first yeah. thing yeah, and and you can't you can't do both. Yeah, so you you inevitably lose part of the argument. Yeah, by doing yeah, it. yeah, and and it, you if you're um you too too quackwayer, you know if the the person that shouts at you saying yeah no you smell if you don't successfully do it enough then you're going to lose face and the crowd that's gathered behind the bully will go, yeah, you see, you can't deny it, can you? That's what's going on in the House of Commons, isn't it? They all gang up behind the uh, the guy at the front and shout, fight. They just go, fight, fight, fight. And, and, the, and the, whoever is answering the, the accusation or countering the counter-accusation is left in a strange position. And it is a strange position at Prime Minister's Question Time such that um, it was noticed by the BBC political editor, Laura Kunzberg, who took to Twitter and said, why isn't Jeremy Corbyn answering the questions? But it's, he doesn't have to. It's Prime Minister's questions time. He's the leader of the opposition. He doesn't have to answer those accusations levelled at him by the Prime Minister. 
which is frustrating because it means she gets the last word. So, yeah. and you can see this this brilliant political parrying going on, and often reporters will score it as though it's been a a boxing match to see who's won, who landed the most successful punches. It's not there are no questions going on. It's just they're poking the tiger, each of them. So yeah, it should be Prime Minister's tiger poking time. <laughs> More letters for the acronym. Yay, it's the return yeah, of favourite Yeah, I thought we'd um, <laughs> that one because we like it so much. Okay, so in the Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about the Fallacy of the Week from a non-political perspective. And uh, let's just uh, go straight into the first clip. I just wanted to do a good deed, like, like you did with the babies. This isn't a good deed. You just want to get on TV. This is totally selfish. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What about you having those babies for your brother? Talk about selfish. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Uh, well, yeah, it was a really nice thing and all, but it made you feel really good, right? Yeah, so? Well, it made you feel good, so that makes it selfish. So... Whoa, whoa, what about you? <laughs> there it is, right yeah, there. Yeah, so <laughs> Joey doesn't address the fact that he is only doing the PBS telethon. Yeah. To get on exactly. TV, that is exactly he's what he's doing. Sitting there in a tuxedo he, and a bow tie, isn't it? Yeah. A dress shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. What about you? Yeah, he, he doesn't address that at all. Yeah, no. He, he he points out that actually Phoebe's being selfish, and and he comes up actually for Joey with quite a brilliant yeah, argument. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that that there's no good deeds that aren't in some way selfish because yeah. it makes you feel good to do a good deed. Yeah. So. Yeah, <laughs> but it's all about put, shifting the the focus off mm. him and onto her. Yeah, and it, it works. works it works really well. Yeah, even she's convinced. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, in an example of accusing people of hypocrisy, we've got a clip from Fox News from actually a few years ago now. I think two thousand from the great hypocrites themselves, Fox News. Yeah. yeah, this was when there were some protesters trying to argue against an oil drilling ship or rig actually being taken to the Arctic. Kayaks swarmed an offshore oil rig in protest. The protesters floating more on hypocrisy than water likely forgot that kayaks are often made with petroleum <laughs> or that the boats were trucked to the stores, not towed by oxen, although that would have been fun. A local bike seller there voiced support, also forgetting that his wheels weren't shipped on the backs of trained elephants. This hypocrisy, the greater goods calling card, masks the aim to dismantle capitalism, an aim that would freak out those sympathetic business owners if they only knew. But consider the original goals of the green movement, which is to leave Earth in the same condition for future generations. It's nice. Yet they scar the landscape with ugly windmills like knife wounds on a Mona Lisa. So, <laughs> wow. There's also this conspiracy yeah. in there as well. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the argument there is that it's it's hypocritical to protest against drilling for oil in the Arctic if you have a kayak yeah. because that's Probably made no from yeah. petrol. Yeah. <laughs> and that it's not okay to, to have wind farms yeah. because what you really want to do 
is leave the earth as you found it or as better than you right. found it and that's making it worse yeah so whereas drilling royal in the arctic avoiding yeah, yeah it's yeah. completely avoiding the fact that a a kayak having a kayak yeah. <laughs> is less of an impact on the environment than drilling for oil in the, in, in and, the arctic yeah and it probably comes yeah, from oil and, rigs in texas you know the nodding donkey things yeah or the middle east yeah. or wherever but the, but the point is that the 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 fact is you don't have to um be completely perfect yourself in every way to criticize someone and and the it the fact that they were in kayaks the fact that that a bike seller who supported them has bikes that were taken to his shop with cars or with trucks yeah. doesn't reduce the fact that actually they ha- they may have a good point about the environment and that we do need to do something about it the, the only al- alternative is to say that and unless you are a hermit unless you live a completely carbon free existence you can't say anything about the environment what that reminds me of is there is was this um a phrase leveled at i think it was clement attlee that he was a champagne socialist that he it's like you can't espouse socialist um principles of equality for all access to health and education and jobs and workers rights and uh, uh equal pay and all that kind of stuff it's hypocritical if you espouse that whilst at the same time coming from a well-off background. So uh, Tony Bend, who we have did fairly convincing impressions of in previous podcasts, <laughs> he uh, was originally Anthony Wedgwood Ben. He, he inherited a title, which he then later eschewed, but he's you know, one of the, the left's, socialist grandees he you know he was yeah, the absolutely. the embodiment of socialist socialism and equality and yet he was accused of being and that kind of um in one phrase that champagne socialist phrase dismisses socialism you can't be a socialist unless you're poor and i think it was clement attlee i we somebody should write in and tell us whether it was who who was asked um well, do you think it's right that you have um, that you're drinking champagne? You know, do you think it's is that equality? He said, no, no. I think everybody should drink champagne. That's <laughs> champagne socialism. We should all be lifted out of the gutter. We should all be able to live in a palace. We should all be able to drink champagne. It's also, I think, about the level of hypocrisy because mm. that is important. Mm. I think where the the Fox News example, the. I mean, if you're really generous to Fox News, you could say yes. They the the people who are um, using gasoline to power the vehicles that they're using for their for their business, but are against drilling for oil, are being a little bit hypocritical mm. because oil drilling does need to happen yeah. in order for you to have a car yeah. that works. Um, so there is a level of hypocrisy there, but it's not it's it's a very small yeah. level and it shouldn't stop people from being able to point out that there are significant issues with with um, increasing the amount of oil mm. drilling or doing it in areas that should be protected or things like that. Where if, if someone has an SUV, for example, and they say that um, people should have electric cars, 
that's a level of hypocrisy that's worth pointing out because they are not doing what they think other people should be doing for presumably because it's convenient to them or because they just like having a big car or whatever but but that's a that is a point because because it's actually relevant to what they're saying it's it is tricky and it is context dependent whether whether this kind of reasoning is fallacious yeah or not. yeah because uh, so is that what makes it a an informal fallacy yeah absolutely there isn't there isn't a a logical form that this can take where it is always faulty reasoning there there are times where actually it's okay to point out pe- that people are being hypocrites mm. so it's not the fact that it's in latin that makes it a formal fallacy no no it's not that or that it sounds satisfyingly like Queeg Queeg out of Moby Dick. It's not that either, no. Oh, okay. I quite like it, though. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. I've had a bit of a knockback in my confidence. Yeah. Yeah, you're on 20% at the moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's all right then. So, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm getting, not, you know, like 200 out of 1,000. I mean, just purely by, by guessing, you should be on 33%, ideally, over a uh, yeah. period of time. Yeah. yeah. So you've got some way to go to, to get up there. Um, now, this week... No, you've the got theme, some way to go. <laughs> <laughs> the theme is related to uh, to Kwokwe, which okay. is projection where Trump likes to accuse other people of things that he does himself. Ah, okay. And yeah. and it's a it's a kind of it's it's part of a two quark way where you haven't actually been accused of anything essentially <laughs> and you're just you're just you're flinging things accusing out accusing other yeah. people of <laughs> right, things that yeah. you could be accused of yourself. <laughs> so, yeah. Is the fake news number 1. I'm not a liar like Cruz. Cruz lies. I've never seen any human being lie like this guy lies. Even Rubio called him a liar yesterday. In politics, you don't do that to a guy. Or number two. Mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton is a bigot who sees people of colour only as votes, not as human beings worthy of a better future. Or three. Obama thinks he's so great. He thinks he can do no wrong. Let me tell you, he's not so great. He was so bad at his job, I'm amazed he didn't get impeached. Hmm. Well, that last one sounds like a, a. It sounds like a sour grapes, bad egg, whatever that kind of thing. You know, actually, because he was quite good at the job. Yeah, he had a tough job because the Republicans controlled the house. Um, but they're getting impe- impeached in there. Sounds like half of a two quakeway when he's been asked about being impeached, and then what he's done is going, ah, oh, right, well, you think Obama's great. He thinks he's great. Mm. Talking about him, that must have been pre-election. Okay. That phrase when he says, not as human beings worthy of a better future, is suspiciously untrump-like. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, that's quite a nice sentiment. Um mm. But that might have been an early coached one. Okay, I'm not a liar like Cruz. Cruz lies. Oh, yeah, because this was early on before he liked Cruz. No. Uh, okay, like, even Rubio called him a liar. Politics, don't do that to a guy. Well, he does it all the time. Okay, oh, my God. I 
I think. <sighs> okay, I think number one is is the one that you made up. Okay. So you think that number two yep. is real, even though you yep. don't think it sounds like Trump. Yeah. I think it's an early coached one. Okay. And yep. number two is yep. Yep. real. Oh, my God. Hillary Clinton is a bigot who sees people of colour only as votes, not as human beings worthy of a better future. Wow. That must have been really early on. That actually was in a in a speech. So yeah. it had been written down. Uh, That's why it doesn't uh, sound like him, because uh, he probably didn't write it. But someone else wrote no. that for him to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And not you, even. Yeah, Not me, no. no. <laughs> right, wow, that is amazing, isn't it? Because that's kind of, you look at it and it just makes your eyes stretch and you think, what, that's Trump? <laughs> yeah, given, given so, everything um, that's happened since. Yeah, okay. so so you think number three is yeah, real? I do. Uh, number three yeah. is yeah, fake news. Oh man, I'm afraid that's me. Whoa, that's very good. Because yeah, because it's got the impeached in there, so it sounds like a response to. Given that this is the two Cockway episode, it sounds like a response to somebody saying, "Don't you think you should be impeached?" But he's talking about Obama in the present tense as if he's... The, so, it's, yeah, he's got all the trappings of being a real thing. That's yeah. why you're so good at this. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Which Damn means you. that number one, number one he really is did real. say that. He really did say this. Wow. I'm not a liar like Cruz. Cruz lies. I've never seen any human being lie like this guy lies. Uh, even Rubio called him a liar yesterday in politics. M- 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 Mr. Trump. Wow. Oh, was that the um, the the interminable phone call from to Fox? No, no, no. That Fox actually friends. was um, uh, an appearance on Breitbart. Oh, uh, Breitbart Radio. Wow. So yeah. Um, yeah. How there's many also times did he get the word of, lie in there? Crikey. I know. There's a bit of inconsistent comparison there as well because uh, he's comparing Cruz to a human being. So mm-hmm. that's really not fair. Mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> which yeah. uh which brings us to the scores oh, no. which um i'm afraid you've gone down to 18 percent oh. following that performance oh yeah but in real terms yes i think you'll find that the uh that's been ring fenced and that my score has been protected in real terms in the next budget round so, podcast listeners, I need your help to fool Mark. If you think that you can make up a f- convincing fake Trump quote, then share this episode on Twitter, include your quote and the hashtag fallacious Trump, and I'll pick the best one, and you'll be podcast famous. So it's time for the part of the show, uh, which this week at least is called Voting is Not a Logical Fallacy. We're recording this on the 3rd of November. And that means that we're just a few days away from the midterms. Early voting has been going on for a couple of weeks now in some states. And uh, hopefully I'm going to get this this podcast edited and out in time before the midterms where you will still have time to vote if if you listen to this in time. Obviously, if you're listening to it after, it's too late. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, why didn't but, you? Yeah, 
But this is um, the part of the show where we like to talk about all of the crazy stuff that's happening in the Trump orbit, but we don't have time to talk about all of it because it's actually crazy. So this this week, we're talking about the voter suppression that is going on in Georgia. There is voter suppression elsewhere, but uh, we'll, we'll focus yeah. on Georgia for yeah. this particular conversation. Other, other states have their own. So, yeah, the, the, the governor race in Georgia is uh, being run between Democrat Stacey Abrams and Republican Brian Kemp. Now, Kemp also, as well as running for governor of Georgia, happens to be the current Secretary of State, which okay. means that it is his job to make sure that the yeah. election is run fairly. Ah, OK. And he isn't doing a brilliant job of no. that. Or, or no, or even just kind of standing up and going... I think there's probably a pretty obvious conflict of interest here. Yeah. You know, even if he just stood up and said, do you not think I ought not to be doing one of these? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. Well, I tell you, Jimmy Carter thinks he ought not to be doing one of them because Jimmy Carter wrote Kemp a letter saying, please right. step down from being Secretary of State yeah. because there is a massive yeah. conflict of interest here. In case you but hadn't noticed. Yeah. 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 But, but what's happening, unfortunately, in Georgia is that there, there is a significant amount of, uh, of voters who are being purged from the voter rolls. And uh, there's a, he's actually doing it in a number of ways. He introduced uh, a, a rule called exact match, which means that if the name that you write on your voter registration information does not exactly match in terms of, you know, perfectly written middle name and hyphens and apostrophes and anything in the right place. If it doesn't match the information that the state has from your um, DMV records or your um, social security records, then they will suspend your voter registration and you will not be registered to vote. And they have suspended 53,000 voter registrations because of this rule. Wow. Now the, the hell. Yeah. Um, the big thing about that is that although Georgia has a demographic makeup which is about 30% African American mm-hmm. who who typically are more likely to vote Democrat, um, right. of those 53,000 yep. registrations, about 70% of them Ooh. are actually African American. Yeah. Yep. So it is disproportionately mm. disadvantaging that demographic. Yeah. And the reason for that is basically because these are typically newer registrations and there has been a drive to um, to, to get the vote out in that community over the last couple of years yeah. since yeah. Trump. Yeah. So that's a significant issue, but that is actually just a small part of it because Georgia has actually purged 10.7% of its total voters over the last two years. Wow. And there are good reasons for some of that. If people have moved, for example, or died, then they need to be taken off the roll. So some of that is legitimate. But, in fact, a, a Greg Palast journalist investigated and found that 340,143 of those voters were mm. wrongfully purged in 2016 uh, and 2017. Yeah. So they should still be on the voter rolls. Yeah. And they were taken off in some cases because they hadn't voted in 2016. But what? actually, that doesn't mean they shouldn't be able to vote in, no. in this <laughs> upcoming yeah. election. I mean, it's, it's your right not to vote as much as your yes. right to vote. They should. They, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But also these people aren't necessarily being told that their uh, voter oh. registration <laughs> has been removed. So people don't always necessarily know. Yeah. And that's a problem. Um, they they are often sent a postcard to say that they've been removed from the voter rolls and if this is a mistake, they can yeah. re-register. They've also refused or rejected absentee ballots based on uh, handwriting analysis of the signatures. And any signatures which don't appear to match the, the signatures they have on file, if the kind of S is a bit too squiggly or anything like that, they have um, been holding those um, from from getting through. And yeah. again, a study found that non-whites were much more likely to have their absentee ballots rejected mm-hmm. than white voters. Yeah, yeah. So, despite um, Trump's accusation that Hillary sees them not as yeah. worthy of better future, people of colour. Now, you could say that all of this is a coincidence, all of it is just unfortunate, but actually Kemp has been recorded as saying that voter turnout continues to concern him, especially right. if everyone uses and exercises their right to vote. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so that's <laughs> well, it bad. will concern him directly because yeah. he will not get in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And <sighs> yeah, and the last thing that they've been doing, or a, at least another thing that they've been doing, is actually shutting down polling stations. Since two thousand and twelve, the state has shut down two hundred and fourteen polling stations. Wow, most of them in poor rural non-white areas where voters yeah, where have fewer can't. resources to travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, exactly. to further away polling places. Wow. That's it's the kind of stuff that that the inter, you know the, the International Electoral Commission accuses dictatorial African governments of doing. Yeah, you know, that's Absolutely. The, the the whole point of getting the Electoral Commission in from outside is to prevent African dictators from doing this. And here it's happening in Georgia. You know, they do it in Africa for exactly the same reasons. Wow. Yeah. So this is obviously quite negative. It's not the only place it's happening. Uh, there, there are things that, that people can still do, if, even if they, if they think they should be registered to vote. If you go to vote and they tell you you're not on the roll and you think you should be, then you can ask for a provisional ballot. Mm-hmm. And you can get they, – they'll have to give you a provisional ballot and they give you a receipt – and they, they hold that aside, they don't count it at first, and they'll check that you are um, eligible to vote and that you should be on right. the roll. Right. And and if you are, then they'll count the ballot. And mm-hmm. generally, um, in the past, around 60 to 70% of provisional ballots have ended up counting in, in elections. So that's very much worth doing if you think you yeah, should yeah, be yeah. on the roll and you turn up and they say you're not. Is it the same people that do that check the provisional ballots, or is that the, the you know, an independent electoral office that does the counting will also check the provisional ballots? I think it is the state legislature who will do that. Right. So, right. yeah, it's okay. not guaranteed by any means. Not but in Georgia anyway, but yeah, there are moves that that help as well. They, these some of these things have been taken to court, and judges have ruled just in the last few days that they're not allowed to uh, refuse, for example, the handwriting analysis uh, rule is not is not allowed to stand. Those absentee ballots have to be treated as provisional ballots at the moment. Yeah. So some of this is being actually struck down. But obviously there isn't a lot of time. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. when things go to court, when it's, when it's a couple of weeks before the midterms, 
and the vote is going to come through and then after that it doesn't matter yeah there's, yeah there's not always enough time to to do things like that um i've also heard but i have had trouble verifying that the uh department of motor vehicles in georgia has been shut over the weekends for the last couple of weekends uh which is where you need to go if you need to get a new id in order to be able to vote yeah so they're just making it as hard as possible yeah 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 for, for everyone to vote which, which is indicative of the fact that they must know that they're not particularly popular or, you know, that's something, as my mum would say, they don't think very highly of you. Get out there and register and make sure you are registered and get your ID Absolutely. up to date. And yeah, get out pr- there and vote. Yeah. There's, there yeah. are states, obviously, a lot of states, there's been early voting happening over the last couple of weeks. There's also some states where you can register on election day. So if you haven't registered, but you still want to vote, which you should, yep. you can take ID and proof of residency in the state. Right there and then. In uh, California, Colorado, Connecticut, D.C., Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Iowa, Maine, Minnesota, Montana, New Hampshire, Utah, Vermont, Washington, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. So if you live in any of those states Loads. and you're not yeah. registered, you can take your proof of ID, take your proof of residency to the polling place on election day and you'll still be able to vote do it no excuse absolutely check vote411.org for um, the requirements in your state to vote if if you're not sure whether you're registered i think you can look up on there to see whether you're registered if you if you need to know what kind of id you need to take it's all on that site and you can find out and you can vote on tuesday and just make sure that good things happen and not bad things And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. A couple of idiots called Jacob Wall and Jack Berkman tried to pull off the stupidest crime ever, framing Robert Mueller for rape. Despite multiple reports of women coming forward having been offered money to claim Mueller raped them, the pair still went ahead with an amazingly inept press conference, which they held at a Holiday Inn in Roslyn, Virginia, Unfortunately, the alleged victim was unable to make it at the last minute. The FBI are now investigating in between bouts of uncontrollable laughter. Actually, (laughs) this whole thing was so ridiculously badly planned and badly executed that I think we might have to take some time in the next episode to just go into detail on it. Well, it it seems to me to be like a bad tribute act to to the Kavanaugh conspiracy theory. Yeah. Isn't it? It's that it's that. It's like kind of, you know, well, they did it to Kavanaugh, so we'll do it to Muller. And then you realise, well, actually they didn't do it to Kavanaugh because it wasn't a conspiracy yeah. that was actually, it's not as easy as it, it was the truth, yeah. Fourteen pipe bombs were mailed to prominent people and organizations who Trump had frequently criticized, and despite Republicans claiming it was a false flag operation, the bomber turned out to be a Trump supporter. Trump, of course denies any responsibility. We might have to do guilt by association as our next fallacy. Trump finally condemned Saudi Arabia for the murder of Washington Post reporter Jamal Khashoggi, but his problem wasn't so much with the execution as to how the execution was executed. He said... They had a very bad original concept. It was carried out poorly, and the cover-up was one of the worst in the history of cover-ups. So basically, he stopped just short of saying, I would have done a much better job. I'm the best at covering up murders. Everybody says so. (laughs) 
Two weeks ago, Trump promoted the conspiracy theory that Jewish billionaire George Soros was funding an invasion of dangerous immigrants. Last week, a man named Robert Bowers, posting on far-right social network Gab, blamed a Jewish organisation for bringing invaders in that kill our people and said, screw your optics, I'm going in. And then he walked into a synagogue with an AR-15 and killed 11 people. Trump, of course, denies any responsibility. Forget what I said earlier, we're doing post hoc ergo proctor hoc next. On her recent trip to Cairo, Melania racked up a $95,000 hotel bill in a hotel she stayed in for six hours. What? Where the most expensive suite is $700 a night. I know divorce lawyers are expensive, but I didn't know you could order them on room service. Six hours for $95,000? Yeah, it's got to be a divorce lawyer. Trump is sending anywhere from 5,000 to 15,000 troops to the border to deal with the imminent arrival of the Central American migrant caravan. No word so far on what the troops will do for the seven weeks. It's likely to take the refugees to walk the nearly 1,000 miles they still have to go. So long as the troops are on their way before the midterms, we're not sure Trump cares that much. Just for fun, though, in case any soldiers are still there when the migrant caravan arrives, this week Trump said he had authorised them to shoot any people throwing rocks at soldiers because there's not much difference between a rock and a gun. Leaving aside for the moment that shooting unarmed civilians is probably a war crime, I think he's onto something here. Can we just swap people's AR-15s for a bag of gravel? Because there's not much difference. No. Trump wants to end birthright citizenship. The fact that it's literally guaranteed by the 14th Amendment doesn't seem to bother him, as he says. I believe that you can have a simple vote in Congress, or it's even possible, in my opinion, this is after meeting with some very talented legal scholars, that you can do it through an executive order. Let's face it, Trump does not have access to any talented legal scholars. If he did, he wouldn't need Rudy Giuliani. Former Fox News correspondent Heather Nowart is apparently Trump's top pick for the next UN ambassador. Quick reminder, this is the woman who cited the D-Day landings as an example of the strong relationship the US has with Germany. Okay, she's going to be great. The Topeka Capital Journal reported that a rally in Kansas with Trump's world-altering, rabble-rousing, radical campaign supremo Steve Bannon attracted around... 25 people in a Holiday Inn in North Topeka, including the events organisers and a group following Mr Bannon for a documentary. Invites for the rally, dubbed Red Tide Rising, were sent out via a text message. Mr Bannon told those that gathered, if Trump supporters did not vote in the midterm election, we're going to lose this. Looks like it's going to be really close if 25 is going to make the difference. Oh, did I say 25? I meant 63 million. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. If you hear Trump say something stupid and wonder if it's a fallacy, email us on fallaciousTrump at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at fallaciousTrump. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our newest patrons, Jude Searles and Andrew Payne. Two new ones this week. Fantastic, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much, Jude and Andrew. And thanks also to Brian Schwimmer for editing your pledge upwards this week. We also have a Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump. 
where we'll post some links to some of the stuff we've talked about in this episode. And we also currently have a competition that you can only enter by joining the Facebook group. And the competition prizes are things like a copy of the book that this podcast is based on, a couple of other books that I've written, and a um, album from Mark's band that he's in, and also, most importantly, the opportunity to choose the next fallacy that we will do after the closing date. Go onto the Facebook group, join the group, and then you can enter the competition. It's not complicated, you don't have to do anything difficult. I don't know what you'd have to do, difficult things to enter a competition, but you don't have to do any of them. Competition question, no, there is, there's nothing. Just, no, it's easy, do it. All music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye!